for the quitters. Game quitters. Listen up, quitters. Game quitters. It's the Game Quitters Podcast with Cam Adair and Jason Wellwood. On today's episode, the origins of the Game Quitters Podcast and a story about game quitting straight from the co-host. Who is that guy anyways? But first, here he is, the godfather of game quitting, Camadair. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. Really excited for today's episode. We're going to have Jason share his story. What's up, Jason? Oh, lots of things. You know, that was like the worst... I could have given you any answer. Anything would have been better than that. I could have told you that I haven't showered in three days, which may or may not be true. I could have told you I that... that's not true. I could have told you that I'm feeling flatulent today, but instead I went with, oh, nothing, not a whole lot, some things. Standard answer. Tell me how you're doing over there. I'm good. It's raining right now, which is kind of bizarre. It's not very often it rains down here in San Diego, but been surfing a lot the last couple of days, feeling good about that. Working on this parent course, really excited to get that out there. And uh, yeah, just, you know, been super productive lately, feeling really good and uh, excited for today's show. The detox is something we touched on in the first episode, the 90-day detox, which is a staple of Game Quitters and GameQuitters.com. Check that out for yourself. Now, Cam, you had mentioned yesterday, what, what is the final goal? How many people, remind me, do you want to see go through this program? So our goal with Game Quitters is to reach 10 million people and have them go through the 90-day detox. The 90-day detox is the program that we've developed to help people quit gaming and get their life back on track. And so there's some research that shows it takes about 90 days for your brain to come back to normal dopamine expectation levels. And so 90 days is really you know, what we've kind of designed as a way to really help people reset. So our goal is 10 million. And the reason is because there are at least 10 million people worldwide who struggle with a video game addiction. So when you start diving into research, you know, research will show anywhere between one and 10% of people who game have a problem. And so conservatively, let's say there's at least 10 million worldwide. And so I think it's our duty, it's our responsibility for game quitters to reach that many people. And so 10 million going through the 90 day detox is what we're all about. 10 million. Cam is targeting each and every one of you. You better watch out. He's coming. Hey, Cam, can I help with that bean counter and bring it up by one? Yeah. So we had this idea this week for Jason to go through the 90 day detox. And I think it's a really good idea. And I know you'll share a little bit more about that, you know, what you have in mind with it. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's so important because it's not just about going through the 90 day detox. It's important. It's actually sharing your story along with it. Because the more that each of us can share our stories, the more we have an opportunity to inspire others to share theirs. And collectively together, that's how we're ultimately going to reach that 10 million people. So, you know, whether you're sharing about it on the forums, gamecores.com backslash forum, or you're just sharing it with friends and family, you're sharing it on Facebook, wherever you're sharing it, sharing your story is such an amazing way to bring more awareness about this issue. Yeah, and not only bring the awareness, but... Don't you find that, I think you would agree that when you share your story, it actually helps solidify your commitment too, because once you've gone public, not only do you feel reaffirmed yourself, but other people's eyes and ears are on you now. They've heard you come out and say, this is what I'm doing. This is how I feel about it. And uh, you got to own up to that, you know? 
Exactly. And, and you know, it, it is something that has helped me a lot for sure. You know, I, I want to be clear about that. You know, game quitters being so public about this stuff has, has really held me to a higher standard in my life because I'm setting an example for so many different people. But there is a dark side to that, right? Which is, you know, now you have all these expectations on you and, and you have all these people watching you and, you know, oh, what if you have a bad day or what if you kind of slip? And I think that that just creates an opportunity for more vulnerability in your life. And so even for me, you know, I'm not always perfect. I try to be, but some days are easier than others. And some days, you know, I'm not doing as well. And me being willing to be vulnerable with people about that and, and sharing my story, not just the highlights, but all of it, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it is ultimately what allows me to also get the support I need. Right. And so it's not just sharing your story from a place of like, here's the highlight reel but also sharing the challenges and struggles you're going through because that allows you to be able to receive the support that you need. This is not something that's easy to do. That's another thing we got to remind people, but it takes some guts to, to take on a program, especially like the 90 day detox. It's, it, it is a challenge, but you're challenging yourself to be better because you want life to be better. And that's why I felt I want to take part and know what it's all about. If I'm going to become a larger part of Game Quitters and this podcast, especially, I just need to know that I fully understand that journey because, and we'll get into it in more detail in just a little bit here, but I have struggled with games in my past. I never would have considered myself addicted to the point of it ruining my life or uh, being detrimental to my health or anything like that, but it has gotten in the way far too often and taken me away from great experiences that I could have been having. So when I think about it, I think, why not? Why not call this my, uh, what do you want to call it? It's like a... Uh, you know, just jumping headfirst into the waters, not being scared and saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go through what many of you are going through or maybe are thinking about going through, and that's this 90-day detox. So what I plan to do is starting this episode. So as I speak now, I'm going to go on it. Um, I haven't played games already for about a month. If you listen to the last podcast, I did tell you I was game-free for about a month, but I'm just going to call it right now as the official start of the 90-day detox, and we're going to go forward every week. I will come on the show and give you a bit of a journal update over the past week of what I've been doing and how it's affecting me, the things I'm seeing. And if you want to join in on that conversation, please do on the Game Quitters forums, uh, in response to this podcast, wherever you can. Tell us how you're doing. Uh, send Cam an email and share your story, share your progress updates, and uh, we were happy to talk about that as well. So what inspired you ultimately to quit gaming You know, about a month ago? About a month ago. Well, I'm going to tell you right after this, because we've got a little segment. I just want to paint a quick picture here before I start talking about me, 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 blah, blah, blah. Uh, how many people, Cam, is 10 million people? I mean, it's easy to think of that number in your head, but what does that really mean, right? You want 10 million people to go through this 90-day detox? Well, did you happen to know that 10 million people is enough to fill 481 Madison Square Gardens. Yo, I've been to Madison Square Garden. I saw a Swedish House Mafia play there. It was, it was amazing. It was so much fun. But how many? 481. Full capacity. That's a lot. You know, the New York Marathon, one of the biggest marathons ever, arguably. That is 200 years worth of New York marathons right there. And that's based on an average of 50,000 people per marathon. 200 years worth. That's crazy. That's a lot of people. I feel like 10 million people is just an average day of traffic in Los Angeles. <laughs> Fair enough. An average day of traffic in Los Angeles. But what about this? Speaking of 
California, Hollywood, where all the stars are. Did you know that a celebrity will meet 10,000 people on average per year from public appearances alone? So to reach 10 million people, that one celebrity, one celebrity would have to live to be 1,000 years old to meet 10 million people from public appearances. Maybe we'll make it. We're getting closer. Lifetime expectancy is going to grow. Now, you got to be thankful for the internet, because Cam, if you had to do this person by person and go out and meet people individually, that's like a lot of baby kissing and handshaking, dude. I'm, uh, you got to be thankful for the internet. Well, and on that note, you know, we just hit members in 80 countries around the world. And what I like to think about is, you know, in order for us to reach 80 different countries around the world without the internet would take so much time, right? But with the internet, it took two and a half years. That's right. And it's going to keep growing. I want triple digits. I want those other 20 countries. Where are you at? <laughs> Cam's calling you out other 20 countries, unnamed countries. So I got one more for you. I did a little more research. You might actually enjoy this one yourself. You know who Malcolm Gladwell is? Yeah, Canadian legend. I actually met him. I can share that story in a minute. Now, in case you're listening, you don't know who Malcolm Gladwell is. That's okay. He came up with something called the 10,000 hour rule, which states that becoming a master in any discipline takes 10,000 hours of deliberate practice to become a master in any discipline. Whatever it is, you need 10,000 hours. That's a lot of time. So if Cam helped one person per hour, let's say, then according to this rule, a person could become a, dis a master in 1,000 disciplines by the time 10 million people had been reached. But luckily, as we were just speaking about, the internet has accelerated that process. This is not a one-by-one -one game. You've got the internet on your side, buddy. That's how many people are out there, you know, and no one else is going to reach them. So, you know, it's our duty. It's our responsibility. And, th and that's why as a community, we all have to come together and share your story, share videos, share the podcast, be engaged, interact, you know, all of the above. It's, it's so important because one of us isn't going to do it. It's going to be all of us, you know. So e even you stepping up and being like, yo, I'll help with the podcast that was huge, right? And that helps to spread awareness. That helps to, you know, bring more people into the mix. And and so that's huge. And, you know, if you're out there listening, how can you contribute? Whether that's with Game Quitters or on your own, you know, how can you contribute to this cause? How can you start bringing more awareness? How can you share your story? Because together, that's how we're going to make a difference. And we're going to get on to the next segment right away. But before we do, tell me, how did you meet Malcolm Gladwell? That's quite interesting. Yeah, so I was... So I, I love coffee shops, right? And I love just working in coffee shops. And so I was sitting in a coffee shop in, in Venice Beach, California. I was at uh, Tom's, which is the Tom's flagship store. They have this coffee shop attached to a really cool spot if you're ever in L.A. And I looked over and, you know, I just saw this hair. And Malcolm Gladwell, if you, if you don't know what he looks like, Google him. His hair is very distinct. And I looked and I was like, yo, is that Malcolm Gladwell? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I pulled up my phone quick and I Googled him and I was like, yo, that's Malcolm Gladwell. And he was just chilling. He was like reading or writing or something, working on his laptop. And, uh, and so I just kind of like walked up to him and was like, hey, man, you're Malcolm Gladwell. I'm Canadian. We're Canadian homies. Can I take a picture with you? And, what did he, uh, think? and he, he was he was super chill. Actually, I, I asked him a question about the book. He wrote Outliers about how. He, he talks about in that book how the age that you are in Canada, you know, when you're playing hockey has a big impact, right? Because 
there's an age cutoff. And so if you're born in January, you're almost like a full year bigger than the kids that you're playing against, even though you're playing in the same league, but that's just based off of the age cutoff. And so I just asked him a question about that. And, you know, he's Canadian, so he's super friendly. I dropped the Canadian card. I use it all the time. <laughs> and, good uh, card. You know, not that eventful, but, uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, good guy. You know what? Maybe I should tell the story of how I met you. Or didn't meet me. Or didn't meet you. Yeah, true. I haven't actually met you. I stood Cam up. That's the that's where we left you at the end of the last podcast. I said I stood this guy up. You know, you may have had that experience before. You know, you meet someone for the first time, they don't show. Maybe you had a bad date that went wrong, got stood up. It's a shitty feeling. I have been stood up on a date so many times. Just throwing that out there. So I stood Cam up. He came through to Calgary and uh, he was doing a, a talk. Just was that one of your first talks here in Calgary or? Uh, That's a good question. I think that was one of my first talks in Calgary. Yep. Right on. So it was the first time I had a chance to see Cam. I had been, uh, you know, watching his YouTube channel on and off for, oh God, you know, you'll probably laugh at this, but I had been watching you since the fisheye days. You remember the good old fisheye days, Cam? Yo, that fisheye, <laughs> I, I feel like it gets a lot of hate and I totally understand that, but I feel like we owe homage to that fisheye because for a long time, that's all we had. And, you know, we did like our first maybe a hundred or, or more episodes on YouTube with the fisheye. And so yeah. the fisheye really brought us to where we are today. And, you know, even though it was hilarious and uncomfortable and, you know, all that, I think it is a testament to like use what you got, right? I had a fisheye, I had a GoPro, that was the only gear I had. And, you know, if I waited till I got a better camera, who knows where we'd be, right? So use what you got. Yep. yep. And in case uh, you may be listening and maybe you don't know what a fisheye is, you never heard that term. That is just a type of lens that I don't, I'm not a, a video technician, so maybe I'm not good at explaining this, but it's like a wider uh, a scope. You can see a lot more in the lens, but when Cam's sitting center to that lens, he, uh, it's almost like he pops. He, he really, you kind of look like a fish yourself on that thing. I didn't realize no how offense. good looking I was until I stopped using the fisheye. If you haven't seen those episodes, go on YouTube, check out Game Quitters, check out the fisheye, go to the classics. They're so good. You know what? I respect you for keeping your roots up there and not being ashamed of that. Because you know what? It's like you said, that got you started and it brought you a hell of a long way. Who remembers a time where I would cut out every single pause between a word, right? And and now and and now it's like, well, here here's my one take. You know, so it you live and you learn, you you gotta work at it, you gotta use what you got, yeah. you gotta constantly improve and you know, when I started YouTube, I would not have started YouTube if I was focused on being perfect. Instead, all I did was, you know, I'm going to do one video a week on Mondays. I'm going to try and improve every time and let that speak for itself. And, you know, so those classics are, are awesome. The very first video I used my iPhone. I didn't even know how to use my GoPro, but after I put out that video, I was motivated to learn, right? So you just got to use what you got, constantly improve. And you'll get there. Small steps, baby. Small steps. Now, I'm going to try to get this train back on the tracks here because I'm derailing like a madman. I, I'm committing to it right now. We're going to stay on track. So, okay. Cam comes through to Calgary. I'd been watching him for a while, so I knew who he was. Uh, there had been a point when you started the Beyond program. I don't know if you remember this or not. I do. You, you might. Okay. So, you knew that was me back in those days. I had emailed with you saying I wanted to get in, and you had just filled it up. You said you would consider opening a spot just for me. Unfortunately... I kind of chickened out and ran away with my tail it's between true. my legs because at the time I was still dealing with video games and that was part of the reason I decided I didn't need this. You know, I'm fine. I can handle it. 
and I didn't do it. And uh, I did regret that. So I got back to Cam later when he was coming through for his speech. And this was really not that long ago, only a few couple months, really. Um, I emailed him and kind of, you know, inquired about what was going on. He actually passed on an opportunity to me to be on an interview on TV, like, you know, national news. This is not a small deal to be in an interview for game addiction. And I turned it down. Turned me down. I must have been nuts, but again, the same thing happened. I told myself, I don't need this. You know, I, I feel uncomfortable talking about game addiction because I was trying to convince myself that, you know, people don't need to know that part of my life. Would I have done it now, though? Hell yeah. If I could go back, I would have said, yep, get me on there because I realized I was making a mistake. So the last thing I did, if that's not bad enough, Cam came through and I told him, at the very least, I'm going to come and watch your talk because, you know, I do want to see you. Well, did I go to the talk, Cam? Nope. Nope. Was not there. There was no ass in that seat. I was absent. I did not show up. And for me, I thought that was it. I just pulled the trigger. You know, there's no way I'm going to get in touch with this guy again for anything. I might as well just kind of let him do his thing and stop bothering him because I told him I'm going to go do this and that. I didn't commit. And I felt bad about it. Now, granted, Cam, you're very busy. I mean, I'm just one guy, really. I'm, it's not like you're going to be thinking about it, cursing my name every day after you got home from Calgary, swearing one day that you would get your revenge on me. I'm sure you forgot about it pretty quickly and moved on. But for me, it sat with me because I remembered thinking not only did I pass up an opportunity for myself, but just in general, I'm telling people I'm going to do things and I'm not committing. And that's, that's bad, not just towards you, but to anybody in my life that I do that to. It was at that point where I decided to make a big change. But where did this all begin? We're taking it back to my roots. So I was a C-section baby. Um, how many pounds was I? Too far? Too far. A little too far back? All right. Well, how about this then? I was never happy with my life fully. I sure I had moments of happiness growing up. I had good friends. I had a good home that I grew up in, good family, but I always played games. That was always there. How old were you when you started to play games? When I started to play, I, I can't even hardly remember. We, our first console was the Sega Master System. I say that, that probably sounds like gibberish to a lot of the listeners. That's an old ass console. That was the first one we had and I got hooked. We got a, we got a Genesis after that. We played Sonic the Hedgehog endlessly and that was like our thing. That hooked me as a kid. I was pretty young. Me and my brothers, we would, we would play games together all the time. And I think I really bonded with them through that. So it's not all a bad thing, but I carried that my whole life. I just learned that it, it was okay to game. Even into my teenage years, uh, my parents are divorced when I would go visit my dad. He would often want to buy me a new video game, you know, just to see me happy because he knew I was into that. So I got used to just getting new games on a regular basis. I was always playing and I never really questioned it. I just grew up with it like it was normal. There's a very specific point in my life where I realized maybe gaming isn't what I need. How long were you gaming that you knew it was a problem? Like when was the first time that you started to see negative impact? Yeah, it wasn't until I graduated high school because all throughout high school it was normal. My friends and I, we'd get together in the garage and we'd hook up a bunch of TVs and hook up the consoles and we'd play Halo, you know. you get a bunch of people shooting at each other, yelling at each other across the room. It was always okay. Those memories were always like good things to me. And then I got out of high school, you start losing some of those friends, you don't see them as much, but you keep gaming. And what I got into very heavily was single player RPGs. That was kind of my poison. I was never much of an online gamer. I never got addicted to that side of things. But the thing with the single player RPG is that you sit there by yourself for hours, no human contact, right? You're just there gaming away. And that's what it is. And that 
really is when I started to realize when games like I played those Elder Scrolls RPGs and I would spend, I think one of them I spent well over 300 hours in, which is, I think about it now, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous to me, but I did it. You know, that's a lot of time sitting alone in front of a screen. So I went through a pretty nasty breakup uh, about when I was maybe around 21, 20, or maybe, no, I mean, sooner than that, 19, 20, and I needed to change up my life. And I decided I was going to travel. I'd never felt so, I'd never been in such a bad place before. When that breakup happened, I was, there was like a black hole just like sucking me in, man. It was like the weirdest feeling ever. And something just kind of snapped in me. And I realized enough of this, I got to get out of here. Like I'm not even, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life for one. I was working at Ikea at the time. You know, there's only so many meatballs you can eat and like 50 cent hot dogs before you realize this ain't life, baby. This ain't life. So I made a change. I decided I was going to travel. And my decision to travel came from someone I had met the first time I went to Mexico with my family a year prior to this nasty breakup. I had traveled. It was Christmas time. First time out of the country for me. I went with my brothers and my stepdad and my mom. We all went and had this great vacation, you know, a week in Mexico on the beach. It was hot. It was amazing. It's like what I imagine you have every day, you lucky bastard. All-inclusive? All All-inclusive. All it's so funny. Canadians love their all-inclusive Mexico resorts. I know, right? Just beer, beer and, you know, rum and Coke and uh, everything all day long. I drank way too much because it's the first time you're exposed to it. You go a little overboard. Now, I'm not condoning or saying like, or I'm not saying, you know, promoting and saying like, hey, go and get shit faced. You do what you want to do. But for me, that's what I did. And it was, it was a time. The, the travel snob in me is, is saying that that's a vacation, not travel. Very much. And I agree with that statement now because I'll get to this in a minute. That wasn't travel. That wasn't really Mexico either. It's not. It's a beautiful part of the country, but it's not Mexico. So I went there and I went on our last few nights there. I went, this is a funny story. My brother, he was puking in the bush from too much tequila. So he went to bed early. My other brother, well, he's, he's old. So he, he didn't want to party. And, uh, it was just me and my stepdad and it was late. And he, he was, he's funny when he drinks, he just changes. He's always smiling. You can't wipe the smile off his face. And he just wants to go and expend his energy in any way possible. So he said, let's go to the club. And most people go, wait, you're going to go to a club with your stepdad? What's wrong with you? And I was, you know, whatever, we're on vacation. I'll go to a club with my stepdad. I'm not too big of a man for that, right? So I go. It might look a little weird, like a 19-year-old me and my stepdad who's, you know, in his 40s, but whatever. We go. We're just hanging out there and just checking out the place because it was like this really touristy club. Have you ever heard of Senior Frogs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those. And you go in there and they're playing like, oh, they were playing the YMCA song. It was like stepping back into the 90s or something, dude. It was it was a trip. So we go in there and I see this girl dancing there, right? So I think I'm going to go talk to this girl. I just felt ballsy in that moment. I don't know what it was, but she just stood out to me. And I started talking tequila. to her. Maybe it was the tequila. Maybe it was the all-inclusive thing. So I go there and I start talking to her, chatting her up. And she's Mexican and I don't speak a lick of Spanish. So I go in there and just start chatting her up. You know what? I usually don't do these things. You got to understand I'm a pretty reserved guy who's pretty quiet and keeps most things to himself. And luckily she speaks fluent English. Score. I got in and we just started talking. But then I just got this strange compulsion that, oh, I'm going to go now. Hey, meet me on the beach tomorrow. And I just hightailed it out of there. I don't know what it was. I was strange. Maybe it was just the adrenaline from, you know, going and talking about a girl and I... I disappeared. But the funny thing was I left my stepdad in there because he went to the bathroom while I was talking to her and he didn't know what happened to me. Later, he finds me on the side of the road getting searched by the cops. They were 
checking my cup to see if I had drugs in there or something, you know, make me pour out my drink. It's kind of funny. So anyway, I meet this girl and the next day she meets me on the beach. Like I asked her, we end up spending another night hanging out in that club. She comes up to me and I was actually with my brothers at the time. They were, you know, hitting on these other girls who are sitting with this group of girls and she sees me at the club and she just pulls me away. She sees, oh, he's with a group of girls. They're swooping in on him. I got to get in there. So she pulls me over and we start dancing. She taught me how to dance salsa. She taught me some words in Spanish. And we spent this incredible night together. We just walked on the beach and joked and laughed and we looked up at the stars and it felt like I was there for literally days, Cam. But it was one of those moments you have where everything washes away. In that moment, I had forgotten that I even used to play video games. In that entire time, I can't even remember thinking about video games once. That was living. That's what that feels like. That is what you're supposed to feel every single day of your life. These aren't things that just happen a few times in your life. That, that is life. And you'd never, ever get that in a video game. I had to let her walk away because she was going the next day, going back home. I never thought I'd see her again, ever. Like, I thought that was it. So I just, you know, said my goodbyes and that was it. Uh, we actually kept in touch for about a year through email. When I went through the nasty breakup, I decided to travel, as I had said. And this time, not a vacation, travel. I wanted to see a part of the world and travel. So I did that. And she invited me to stay with her family in Mexico. And I thought, how cool would that be? You know, go see Mexico for what it really is. Go see the country that I didn't get to see. Yeah. So I took her up on the offer and she was going to put me up. I had some money saved. I got the hell out of there. I put all my stuff in a storage locker and just left. And this is a year later and I went on my own. My first time leaving the country by myself. I was taking flights, taking transfers. Like I remember being in the Texas airport for a transfer. Never been there before. And it was, it's huge. You, have you ever been to that airport? In, Which one? In, uh, Dallas, Texas. Sorry. Dallas? No, I've definitely been to Houston, Austin. Maybe it was Houston. Houston or Dallas. Oh, I've been to Dallas. Yeah, I flew out of Dallas. But I went and the, like it's massive. So, I mean, they have separate trains that'll take you between different parts of the airport. You have to jump on. I almost missed my flight and I was doing all this for the first time. I remember just sitting in that plane, looking at the clouds, smiling like a jackass because I was so happy that I was doing this. And I was seeking that thing that I felt a year ago, that true sense of being alive. So I went out. I met up with this girl and I remember going through the airport security there and I couldn't speak Spanish still at that point. So I, the, the, the security there is asking me about the sunscreen. I had those spray bottles, like a compressed air can, a sunscreen. And obviously in Mexico, they don't, you know, unless you're white like me, I'm like almost translucent. I'm so white. I'm a white, white ass whitey. And they're questioning me, what is this in here? They thought maybe I had like some sort of bomb or something like they're actually concerned. I'm trying to tell them it's sunscreen, but I don't know how to say that in Spanish. <laughs> So that's a little bit prickly. I get through customs. I meet, we go to her parents' place. I meet them for the first time. They don't speak English. So it's a little rough at first, but here they are just inviting this total stranger into their home and I couldn't be more grateful, you know? So the journey begins. And over that time, her and I, we started growing closer. Wouldn't you know it? When I left Canada, I had been gaming heavily because of that breakup. I was gaming as much as I could because I didn't want to think about it. So I was playing RPGs again. I was just pretending I was someone else in this other world. The strange thing was in Mexico that washed away. So I knew I was on the right track. I would still think about games and sometimes I would even catch myself doing something and then realize, oh, you're thinking about, you know, leveling up or upgrading like a weapon in a game or something when you should just be looking, look around you, look where you are, look at the landscape. This is a new world for you. And I would go back and realize, oh yeah, you know, what am I doing? And that would center me, right? 
So I had that thing. I had something that was keeping me centered. It was like, you know, it's like the, it's like the handrail in a, in a train. You hold on for support when the train's going so you don't fall on your ass. That was my support rail. And through that entire, that experience, I, I planned to stay. I bought a one-way ticket and I went there and I planned to stay for maybe three weeks at the most. I ended up staying for three and a half months. I just didn't come home. I had enough money to stay, so I didn't. What ended up happening is we grew pretty, pretty damn close to the point where we were doing everything together. She was showing me so many things. I met this one guy, her cousin, his name's Rafa. He's the craziest guy I ever met in Mexico. He lo- luckily speaks some English, so I was able to get along with him, but he would take us out drinking all the time. He was always showing us the best tequilas, the best places to go. Uh, you know, he'd drive us around. He had a car, so he would take us from spot to spot. And we'd spent all nights just going out with this guy, and he was crazy. Uh, there was this one moment I remember we were at a, it was like a ranch kind of deal and they had a pool, right? So we were all just, it was just a few of us drinking, having some drinks, playing drinking games. And I had this moment where I thought, shit, this is like a Pepsi commercial right now. I'm going to jump in the pool. You know, the stereotypical jump in the pool, everyone's laughing. Then we crack a Pepsi after and everybody cheers. Isn't life great, guys? Oh, you know, it was one of those moments. I'm like, I'm jumping in the pool. I'm just going for it. So there you go. I start running, stripping clothes off. I jump right in there. Little did I know, a uh, pool cleaner hadn't been by in quite a while, let's say maybe a month or two. So that water's stagnant, man, just sitting there, just waiting for some drunk Canadian to come cannonballing his ass in there. And like an idiot, I'm so happy I got my mouth open. Ha 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 I'm having so much fun. I'm living life. I swallowed so much of that water and I got very, very sick. <laughs> like very, very sick because of that. That's a whole other story. But this is the kind of things I was doing. Even though I was making some mistakes, I was living life, right? So here's a big moment for me. This is where it all clicked. In Mexico, we went up with her family to a mountain where they would have barbecues and stuff. We just hang out there all day in the sun. Beautiful. So we come down from this mountain though and the sun's starting to set. Like picture this, we're driving down the highway and in Mexico, this isn't illegal. You can jump in the back of a pickup truck and just ride. And we did because we had a whole family. So the cab was packed and then the kids were in the, in the cab, you know, it's kind of like putting kids at the kids table at Thanksgiving, I suppose. But the sun's setting, we're driving down the highway, the wind's just blowing through my hair. I'm sweaty and tired. I had such an eventful day. I feel great. It's like that feeling you get after you, uh, you know, work a long eight hour day or you've like maybe, I don't know, just finished playing like baseball game or hockey game or something. And you just, you just feel good. Your body just feels refreshed, you know? And I'm sitting there, the wind's blowing through my hair. And in that moment, especially... I didn't think of any video games. I didn't think of any of that stuff. I didn't think of my past life. I didn't think of who I was. I just felt again, just like I did on the beach, like the year before that I was alive. And I knew I had to leave soon because I bought a ticket thinking it was time to go home. I convinced myself it was time to get out of there. I needed to go back to my life, Cam. I needed to go back. But the more I thought about it and the closer that trip home came, the more I realized, what am I really going back to? Where am I going? What do I have? I don't even have a place to live. I have a storage locker. What am I going to do? Set up shop in there? I have nothing. I'm living right now. What am I doing? And the day came. It was time to go. I woke up in the morning. I got to go now. I got to go back to wherever it is I'm going back to. And even from the moment I woke up, even with a few hours sleep and, you know, looking at this girl and I'm telling her like, I, I don't really want to go. And even her parents are telling me, if you don't want to go, you're welcome to stay with us. You can cancel your flight. We'll, we'll keep you here but I felt obligated. So we hopped in the truck, me, her dad, and her, of course, and we, we grabbed the dog. They had a dog. So 
put it in the back of the cab there and we started driving down the road and all of a sudden I get this weird feeling. My body doesn't feel right. It's like, I don't know if I believe in like energies and stuff and that some people do, but I felt something was strange in, you know, it, I felt heavy and all of a sudden I hear this dog barking, not our dog, but a dog on the roof by this place we're driving by. And suddenly the dog in the back of the truck goes nuts. They're yapping at each other. And you know, you don't really think much of it at first. Okay. It's just dogs being dogs. And I'm going to give a disclaimer here for anybody listening. This next thing I'm going to say is maybe a little bit graphic. So if you're easily offended by images, uh, just know this, but I heard a crack, a splitting crack, like a crunch. And I look back and this other dog that was up on the rooftop had fallen off the rooftop and split its head open on the pavement. Blood was pouring out of its ear. I kid you not. It was one of the most disturbing things I've seen. I haven't seen a whole lot of disturbing things, but like that ranks up there. I was speechless. We got out of the truck and we just stared at the site, this gruesome site. This poor guy comes running out of his house. He picks up the dog. What are you going to do for a dog at that point? It's not going to make it through that. It's just not. He runs it to the vet. He's crying. He's got this dog in his hands. And I just, I don't even know what I'm feeling. I feel like there's a friggin' hurricane inside of me. Just, I knew something was wrong, but I felt like I saw that for a reason because that feeling didn't go away when we got on the highway. It didn't go away when I got to the airport and said the hardest goodbye I've ever had to say. It didn't go away on the flight, which was one of the shittiest turbulent flights I've ever been on. You know, it was just one thing after another. And I realized that was symbolic of something. At least maybe this is the way I understood it. Again, I don't know how much I believe in that stuff. Maybe it was just a coincidence, but I felt in that moment like what I saw there was death and I'm running away from life right now. And it was in that moment I decided I wasn't going anywhere. I was going to ask this girl to marry me. And so... I made a plan the rest of the flight. I remember watching between watching episodes of Parks and Recreation and laughing at Ron Swanson jokes. I remember he had this thing about uh, any dog under 50 pounds is basically a cat and cats are pointless. Uh, but meanwhile, while I was doing this, I was writing up this plan about what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. So I decided to sell all my stuff from the locker and make as much money as I could to buy her the best ring I could, buy a ticket with the rest of the money and come back. So I told her we were chatting on Skype. I told her, meet me at the beach on this day. I'm going to meet you there. And she was like, what? She didn't know what was going on, right? What, why, are you, why are you coming back? She never thought she was going to see me again. And behind the scenes, meanwhile, what I had been doing is I wrote a letter to her parents asking permission because I'm old school like that. You got to do it, especially for her parents. You know, I knew they would respect that. So I did it, but I didn't know how to Spanish. Like I can't write them a letter. So what I had to do is write it in English, translate it in Google Translate, which if you've ever done for a, a, something the size of a letter. That does not work. Oh, it's ugly, man. It's it's butchered. So I had to send this butchered mess to, to Rafa who took it, you know, and being such a good friend, he said, of course, I'll translate for you this for you. It took him a couple hours because it was such a mess and he had to make sure it was it looked as good as it could. But then he sent it to them and that was it. I just had to wait. And they gave me their approval which I was just blown away. And then the next thing I know, I'm on a flight going back and I meet her, but she knows none of this at all. And I show up at the beach with her and Cam, do you think I asked her to marry me? Or do you think I maybe chickened out? What do you think? What are you going to wager on this one? You chickened out. Hell yeah, I did, buddy. Because when I got there, I kept 
I couldn't find the right moment. It was never the right moment. I kept waiting for the right moment. It just wasn't coming. I it was very close one day when I was, we were going to go out for a midnight walk on the beach and she had just stepped out of the hotel room and said, I'll just be out in the hallway. And I said, great. So I thought, yes, I can grab the ring right now. She's not looking. I go over to the bag and unzip. And literally when I'm pulling this box out, she walks in. So I just shove it back in there and I lost my chance. I didn't. I remember spending a whole night out on a beach chair looking like a bum. The security guard came and shined his light on me. I fell asleep out there because I was just thinking about how I thought that was it. You know, I can't do this. So her parents are expecting us to come back with a ring on her finger. You know, here I am doing all this stuff. And I'll remind you again, never thought of video games during this time. I'm living my life. That's the point of this. And we go back to her hometown and her parents are like, what the hell? There's no ring. This girl knows nothing about the plans. She's oblivious. So I'm thinking I need to smooth this over with them and I need to find a way to do this. What I what ended up happening is I stayed with them for about a week and I wrote the song for her in, uh, in the room I was staying and she went up to the roof to look at the stars and just be alone for a bit. We used to do that together. We'd go up on the roof and sit there. So I thought this is my chance. I'm going to write her the song. And I wrote a song in the course of like a couple hours. It just came right out of me. It just felt so right, you know? I just did it. I pounded it out. I was practicing like with the volume dial at, you know, zero for my voice. And I'm playing this acoustic guitar and I'm just trying to make sure she doesn't hear me. Right. So I do it. And right when I finish writing it and practicing it, she comes in and I say, Hey, let's go back up to the roof for a second. I go up there with her. I play her the song. And then she's just about in tears. And I, I tell her, listen, there's more. And this is it. There's no turning back now. Right. So I get down on one knee. I ask her to marry me. And what do you think happened, Cam? Do you want to wager again? Do you think she said yes or no? She says no. Come on. You got to have a little faith in me yes. here, buddy. She said yes, and we've been happily married ever since. Boom. Which was now well over three and a half years ago. Now, I know that was a long story, but I wanted to tell you to demonstrate how game addiction vanishes, washes away when you find that thing that makes you step into your life and live it. I found that in Mexico, but there's a bit of an end story to that. When we came home, things were hard. I... I was in bad health. I was a little stressed. I didn't have the best job. I had to work at a crappy liquor store and get yelled at every day by my boss, just waiting for the moment to get out of there. But I needed to do something to support us. So at first it was a little difficult. I was stressed. We fought and all marriages are like that when you first get married, especially that first year, it's tough. So there was a lot of moments where it wasn't all perfect and happy and I didn't feel like I was living my life. And I did go back to games when I was feeling like things weren't right. I needed that escape. I would play RPGs again. I would do it. I'd never given up at that point. I didn't think I needed to. It took three and a half years from that moment of living to get to where I am now. Like, that's not a short span of time. That's a lot of learning along the way, you know? At the end of the day, what you need to know is that even though you can make game addiction vanish once you start living your life, if you ever stop living your life, if you ever start getting into the motions, taking things for granted, you are at risk for falling back into it. You are. Even if you've taken the 90-day detox and gotten off of it, make sure that whatever you're deciding to do from that point on, you do it and you never give up on it. Don't treat it like uh, getting over game addiction as this temporary thing that just you do it once and then you're good for life. It's, it's really not like that. I wish it was. But even now, when I'm game-free, I'll maybe still have thoughts about video games now and then. I'm, I'm learning how to just go, you know what, I got better things to do. And it's much easier than it ever has been before for me to just dismiss those thoughts, but it may never truly go away. But what I want to leave you here with from my story is that I realized I wasn't happy with my life and it was a little bit sad for a while. I forgot about the moments like 
the wind blowing through my hair with the sun setting. I forgot about meeting my wife to be on the beach for the first time and losing track of time. I forgot about the first time I saw her walk down the aisle towards me, which is one of my most vivid memories still to this day. I forgot about that stuff over the past three year and a half years now, now and then because I wasn't happy and I was grabbing at this thing that I thought would save me and it's video games don't save you they just they never will at best they're a hobby or something fun to do if you don't have a problem with addiction but they're not life never and when I asked you Cam let's do this podcast I had not a shot not a chance in hell in my mind I stood you up multiple times I disrespected you because I told you I was going to do something and I didn't do it but all it took for me was to look at that and go you know what it doesn't matter how many times I fail. It doesn't matter how many times I even lose track of my goal of living my life. It doesn't matter if I've forgotten what it feels like to be alive. At any moment, I can decide I'm living my life again. And I decided in that moment, I contacted you and said, I want to do a podcast. And listen, I'm coming at you with honesty. This is my plan. I'm not scared of anything. Like, I don't, I don't care what you think of this. Maybe you think it's the stupidest thing you ever heard. Doesn't matter. I want to do this. So I'm going to pitch it. I did. And now I'm sitting here. Hell yeah. <laughs> boom that's my story that's that's the best most relevant thing i can give you at this point and i'm going to continue game free from now on you know uh, i don't need it anymore and i'll tell you everybody like i said earlier everybody gets weak sometimes i fell back into it i was doing really good before that stuff happened where i stood up cam i was actually off games for a couple months solid and then the new mass effect game came out which was one of my favorite series when i used to play so i thought oh i can do this i can do this cam i can pick it up and you know what i'll just play on weekends i'll just play on weekends when i'm done doing the stuff that really matters to me my goals i'll just play for a couple hours and that way the game's gonna last like a year because i'm it's gonna take me a while to beat it that way and i did that but didn't work within the first week of picking it up i spent like the first two days specifically i remember i put in 11 hours and i realized no, this doesn't work anymore. And I've talked to you about this before, but I had that moment where the weight came off my shoulders and I realized I'm done with this. I'm just, I'm done with this shit. I'm done with feeling useless. I'm done with having low self-esteem. I'm done with telling myself I'm never gonna, you know, quit games. I'm, I'm done telling myself that, oh, you know, I used to have these really insane worries that when I grow up and have a family, I wouldn't have enough time to game because I'd have a kid. How sick is that? That's sick, dude. Like I should be with my kid when I have a kid and helping them grow and become the best person they can be and teach them how to live their life, not worrying about when do I have time to sit in front of a TV and be antisocial, you know? So at the end of the day, I'm going to cap it off here. I've talked for enough, but just remember that. Find your moment, your life, your, that wind blowing through your hair in the back of a pickup truck moment. Maybe you've had it already. Maybe you're still seeking it, but don't give up on it. Analyze that feeling, absorb it, breathe it in, live the feeling and try to recreate it if you're not living it right now. That's the best I can tell you. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing, man. And I think Jason's just a great example of share your story because you don't know how your story is going to impact someone out there listening to this right now. And that's really amazing. So it takes a lot of courage to share your story. It takes a lot of vulnerability. It takes a lot of guts. But when you can recognize that your story has the impact or the opportunity to impact people all over the world, you know, it's worth it. So, you know, I just want to commend you for sharing your story. And, uh, I mean, game quitters overall really all just came from me being willing to share my story. Right. And it wasn't anything special. It was just, this is my story and, and people resonate with that. And 
So all of us together sharing our stories, that's how we're going to make a difference. All right, so we're going to jump into Q&A. Yeah, let's get to it. Uh, so for Q&A this week, we have five questions from YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, go to Game Quitters on YouTube and subscribe. And uh, definitely check out, there's tons of content on there, you know, answers to almost any question you could ever imagine. So the first question is, how do I game less instead of quitting altogether? And this question for me really ties into the detox because so often when we want to game less, it comes from our fear of what does life look like if we're not gaming. And so what I recommend is take the 90-day detox, start with that, go cold turkey 90 days, and then once you've done that, you're in a position where you can actually see what your relationship to gaming is like. But when you've never taken a break like that, maybe ever in your life or maybe not for a long time, how do you really know if your relationship to gaming is healthy or not? So to game less, I recommend stop for 90 days and then reevaluate, especially just because of the brain chemistry component of how games interact with your brain. You develop tolerance. You want to play more and more and more to get the same amount of dopamine. So take the 9-day detox, and you can learn all about that on, on GameQuitters.com. And then reevaluate. Now, if you really want to just game less and you're really not wanting to, you know, try the 90-day detox, then it all comes down to awareness and intentionality. So how can you become more aware of why you're gaming? How can you become more aware of why you're gaming in the times that you're gaming? And how can you be that much more intentional with your time? scheduling your time, planning things out, and putting yourself in a position to succeed. So for instance, if you're having trouble studying, how can you maybe take your studies and go to a library where you don't have access to game? How can you, you know, go to a coffee shop or go somewhere else, go do it with friends at, you know, school library? How can you put yourself in a position to succeed instead of trying to do it in your room where the game is right there and you have, you know, all the motivation in the world to just do that instead of studying like you want, right? So this is all about awareness. Why do you do what you do and intentionality? What do you want to do and how can you put yourself in a position to succeed? But most of all, do the 90-day detox and then you're in a position where you can reevaluate. So go to gamequitters.com for that. All right, second question, how old are most people who quit gaming? So the average age of our community is about 23 years old. College students, very common, but we have everything between 10 years old all the way up to 67 and everything in between. We have, you know, kids as young as 10. We have, we had a woman who was 67. We have college students. We have people who are unemployed. We have people who have families and kids and all of it. So this community is very diverse. This community is very large. The average age tends to be about 23 years old college students because it becomes a problem in high school but you're able to get away with it you get to college and that's where you begin begin to see and realize the problem it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 67 male female it doesn't matter it just matters what your personal relationship is like to gaming or just technology in general understanding why you do what you do and whether or not your behavior is aligned with your values and goals and if not then making a change to do something about it you know, whether it's gamequitters.com or anything else, I think is, is definitely recommended. Uh, so the third question is, it says, I'm 15, should I quit gaming? 
And to me, that's a very relative question. For you, the quit gaming really comes down to whether or not you want to quit gaming. I'm not here to tell you that you should quit gaming. I'm not here to tell you that you, sh- you should play. What I'm here to do is to, to give you the challenge of thinking about what your own personal relationship is like to gaming and whether or not it's aligned with your values and goals and whether or not it's helping you live the life that you want. And if it is, great. And if it's not, that's okay too. Let's do something about it. Let's change it because life is short and you only got one shot. And life, as you know, Jason was sharing in his story, can be a lot of fun. It can be really amazing when you focus on doing things that make you feel alive. So if you're 15 and you feel like gaming is not having a positive impact on your life, then yeah, absolutely you should quit and do it sooner than later because I can't tell you how amazing it would have been if I would have quit when I was 15 and invested that time into learning things like programming or surfing or any of these other skills that I'm so passionate about now, if I was 15 and I started that stuff, man, it would bring such a return on my investment. So the earlier you start to really dedicate yourself to your life and personal development and really trying to improve every single day, the better, right? Because you have more time to be able to grow. So the sooner you start, the better. If you want to quit gaming, quit gaming. If you don't, then don't. That's fine. But understanding what your own personal relationship to gaming is, that's the key. There is a trigger that you kind of alluded to that if you feel it, I think you should consider. I'm not saying that means, oh, you have to quit gaming now because you've noticed this. But if you notice it, like think about what it might mean. And for me, that was while I was gaming, did I feel, hey, I'm alive. This is incredible. Or am I feeling like I'm entertained? I feel good. I'm having fun. But there's a part of me that kind of wishes there was something more than just this. If you feel that, analyze it. It's, it's not nothing. It really isn't. Uh, so question four, game development is my passion. What do I do? So this is a question that we get a lot, and it's because a lot of gamers are also very passionate about game development, right? That's natural. And so the thing that I want to recommend, there's also, a, I have a video on YouTube about this, which you can search. If you search game development and game quarters in YouTube, you'll find it. But the key is that look at what game development is all about. It's about programming. It's about storytelling. And those are skills that you can apply to many different areas. So, for instance, I have a friend. His name is Locke Vincent. And he loves programming and he loves games and he loves all these different things. And he finds it because games are his passion and he does it a lot for work he does reviews that he doesn't find playing games to be as much fun because he's doing it as his career now that can be the case for some people for other people if game development is what you're doing for your career and you're gaming in your free time you're gaming all the time and that's not necessarily going to be super healthy so what i encourage you to do is For most people listening to this, to be honest, if game development is your passion, but you're also struggling with a video game addiction, I would look at what are those skills that you're developing and how can you apply them to different areas? For instance, you could easily, you know, start working for someone like SpaceX and doing space exploration with those same skills. And that could be really cool. There's so many different areas that you could go into that have the same skills of programming, you know, development, storytelling, graphics, all of that stuff. It doesn't have to be game development, but maybe because you've been gaming for so long, 
game development is the only thing that you've ever really thought about as an opportunity for you to pursue, right? So you have to be able to remember that when you're quitting gaming, you're going through a transition in your life. And in that transition, you need to be open to new possibilities. You need to be open to new ideas that maybe in the past you weren't as open to because you were gaming. But now that you're going through this transition, there's so many different opportunities for you. So just stay open and at least initially during the 90 day detox or longer, you know, try applying those skills in different areas and see how that goes. I agree with what you're saying. If you can put those skills somewhere else, yes. Once you start finding something you're passionate about, if you just keep taking those daily steps, like you're, you can do anything you want eventually. If you just never quit, it's so true. It's cliche. You hear it all the time, but it is. So don't think you're not good enough. Whatever it is you want to use your skills for, it doesn't have to be gaming. And the, the key is the key is you can do whatever you want, but you have to work super hard for it. This is two thirty p.m. on a Saturday that I'm recording this, and I worked until like eleven p.m. last night. You know, and I work super super hard, and it's because I have this dream of game quarters and and being able to. This is my full time job, right? So, it's you can do anything you want but you have to earn it. It's not just going to magically appear or magically just create itself. You have to work for it, right? So it's just remember that, right? But also remember that if you work at it, you'll make progress, right? And Game Quarters is such a good example of that. You know, two and a half years we've been working on this and yeah, it's improved and it's, it's grown and all of that, but we've also been working really hard for two and a half years, right? So just keep working at it. It'll pay off, but you have to earn it. So question five is, do you have to quit porn too? Now, a lot of people in our community struggle with not only gaming, but also the internet and porn. And so a lot of people will be familiar with the NoFap community on Reddit. And actually, there's a lot of inspiration that we took for the 90-day detox from the NoFap challenge of 90 days of not watching porn. And so I don't think that you have to quit porn, although my personal opinion is that porn is not a healthy thing, and I'm much more willing to take a stance on that compared to gaming is a lot more subjective to your own experience. I think that porn, in my own personal experience, has definitely caused me to have different perceptions of relationships that aren't the healthiest, and I've had to work really hard to you know, reshape those, and we'll do a lot more on porn just as a topic. We'll do some interviews and stuff with experts. But just for this question, to keep it short, if you're going through the 90-day detox of quitting gaming, I would recommend that you also quit porn during that time. And the reason is because porn and gaming are very similar from a research standpoint of how your brain interacts with them, especially as it relates to dopamine release. And so if you're watching porn, it's probably going to cause more urges and cravings for you to game. And so it's just better for you to kind of quit both at the same time. Now that will also be a bit more challenging because you'll be withdrawing from both, but you can get through it. And if you need any support, go to gamequarters.com or go on Game Quarters on YouTube. There's tons of content there for you guys. And join us on the forums and start a journal, start sharing about your experience because the community would love to support you. And you can find all of that on gamequarters.com. And so that about wraps us up right episode two just giving you guys a heads up episode three coming up we are going to do a full episode q a from the stop gaming community on reddit so if you go on reddit and go to stop gaming there's an amazing community on there of people who are supporting each other to overcome their video game addiction the stop gaming community has been a huge supporter of me and a huge supporter of this movement 
they are really the trailblazers. They were there before I was even there. And so I'm a huge supporter of Stop Gaming, and I encourage you to be as well. So on Stop Gaming, there's going to be a Q&A thread asking for questions, and we're going to do a full episode just on Q&A for that. So look for that. And if you have a question that you want to submit to the show, email me, cam at gamequitters.com. That's cam at gamequitters.com. Or you can also hit me up on Twitter at Cameron Dare. Message me on Instagram at Cameron Dare or find me anywhere else that I am online, which is everywhere. And I'd love to take your question. I'd love to answer it on the show. And if you guys have any feedback, if you guys have any questions, if you guys have anything at all, definitely hit us up. We'd love to support you. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just speaking of that Stop Gaming Reddit as well, I believe they have a Discord chat channel as well under the same name, don't they, Cam? Yeah, we have a Discord chat for Stop Gaming, and there's tons of active members on there. So if you're looking to chat with anyone who's going through this similar experience, if you're looking to just hang out, meet some new people, make some new friends, Discord, the Stop Gaming channel on there is a really good place to do that. And, you know, I've made so many friends there as well. So I hang out there every once in a while. I try to pop in and and show my face, say hi. I used to hang out there a lot. I remember last summer, you know, we had a really good gang on there. But, you know, now I'm a bit busier. But if you're looking for support, there's so many different avenues for you. And so, you know, hang in there, take it one day at a time and reach out for the support wherever you're comfortable because, you know, together we'll be able to help you get to where you want to be. That's right. And to sign this thing off, I just want to say... Thank you, Cam, for giving me the opportunity to come on here and just tell a bit of a story today because I know that, you know, the real reason I want to be here is to help other people get through what they're struggling with because, well, you and I both, Cam, we've been through a lot of the hardships that gaming addiction and things related can bring. So at the end of the day, uh, I I just want to get to know the community more, but I do thank you for taking the time to listen today and and get to know me a bit better so I'm not just a a voice on the other end of the the speaker here. Maybe that gives you a little bit more insight into where I come from. So you can find me on Twitter if you please. That's J underscore, or sorry, what is that? I just made this. I should know this better. It's JP underscore dub, and that is spelled J-A-Y-P underscore D-U-B. That is a Twitter account there, and I just started that thing up. It's fresh, new to the world, so if you want to tweet questions my way as well for the show, either way, Cam or I, they will get on there somehow. You can also check out the Game Quitters forum. I'll be on there, same name, except that is spelled JP, just the letters JP underscore dub as well. I'll try to check in on there as I'm going through the detox, the 90-day detox. Maybe I'll check in for some insights. Well, looking forward to... Catching up with you all very soon, and we'll be back next week, won't we, Cam? Yes, we will. So look for that. Make sure you leave a review on iTunes if you're listening on there. And hit us up. We'd love to support you. But hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you guys soon.